Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon and Martin O'Neill reflected on a weekend that saw the home nations in action on both the football and rugby field. Plus, as Luis Rubiales stepped down from his post in Spain, why did it take him so long to read the room? This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Your ears, Mr. John. I was a bit closer to home yesterday. I was over in Richmond, uh, having a walk over by Richmond Park. Very uh, nice part of um, the world. Well, lovely part of the world. One or two people coming up to me, asking after you, asking after your health, and saying how much they enjoy the show, which which is terrific to hear. One guy, even Martin, tells me that his brother, who lives in Melbourne, organises his work around the show. And, get, and gets White and Jordan later on in the day. But um, you'd be pleased, were you not, with the rugby result, but so. maybe not so England's football result? Um, well, I don't think either one. I think England's result away to Ukraine is not a bad result. I don't know what all the hysteria is about. They've, oh, gone right. over, they've gone over there, got a point, and people are making a song and dance about the fact that it wasn't quite as impressive as they want it to be. You know, the fact of the matter is, in previous incarnations, England might have gone and lost these sort of games, and they haven't. Yeah. They haven't lost. They haven't played brilliantly. Certain players didn't do what you'd like them to do. Saka wasn't great. Madison wasn't great. But so what? We got a point. And in the rugby, with my newfound expertise, having spent two or three hours with uh, Lawrence Delalio, I found myself watching the England game and of really, course. really enjoying it. And watching, yeah. watching some of the things that he said might manifest themselves play out well they did well didn't they for so long you know 14 against 15 so uh, Scotland on the other hand sure back to the drawing board after that South Africa result but that was to be expected really we're streaming live on YouTube and Facebook if you want to watch the show you can head over to the official TalkSport channel on those platforms Martin it seems that this man and I and every other media outlet has been talking about this for days Uh, Ruby Alice and that kiss, 22 days after the Women's World Cup final, and that kiss from the podium with Jenny Hermoso, the Spanish Football Federation president, Luis Rubiales, resigns. He chose to announce it here in London to Piers Morgan. I cannot continue my work. My father, uh, my daughters, I spoke with, with them. They know it's, it's not a question about me and some friends very, very close to me. 
and they say to me, Luis, now you have to focus in your dignity and to continue your life because uh, if not, probably you are going to damage people you love and the sport you love and the beat you built with uh, some people long time ago. Now it's very, very near the resolution next September in one year. Then when someone is not thinking only about himself, because I had to support a lot these uh, three weeks, but it's uh, more a question of not only me. And then an attitude, of, an attitude of me can affect third parties very important. And in this situation now, uh, the more intelligent and the thing I had to do. Saturday's Rubiality chose to speak to Piers Morgan uncensored on Talk TV about that decision. Martin, I don't know about you, but this seems to go down in history as the most expensive, costly kiss of all time. <laughs> Certainly cost him big time. But I don't know where you're at with it, Martin. I mean, he held down an extremely, um, I, I would say, a, 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 an extremely coveted job mm. uh, in, in Spanish football. But it seems it took so long for him to read the room. Um, and now there was even talk that it, it might affect Spain's 2030 World Cup bid. I mean, my, my attitude towards the, all of this is quite similar. Look, he shouldn't have done it. End of story. Shouldn't have done it. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I, listen, you've just mentioned that you, you mentioned that it was a coveted job. It was, and you try your, you, you'll do everything you can to try and hold on to that there. But the pressure was mounting. It mounted from from almost minute one uh, when it became a, a, a big thing. And, uh, I, you know, it, it took him 22 days to resign. It was inevitable that he would have to have done so. And I think we're all pretty surprised that it took so long. I mean, we even had his mother threatening to go on hunger strike because of what was happening to her son, who she thought he was being thoroughly persecuted. Mm. I mean, this was never going to go away for him. He had to do something. Uh, to me, Simon, this was the only course of action he could take. Well, I mean, it is. it was perplexing behaviour because he puts himself in the way of a conversation he doesn't need to be in the way of. I, I do find, I have found from the get-go, that the reaction has been disproportionate to the circumstances. I know I'm not a woman and I know I'm not on the receiving end of challenges in life. But I find that there's something obviously far more behind this than just this. It feels, I hate to use the word agendas because it gets played out so easily, but there seems to be a lot going on in women's football at this moment in time, from the disputes of the women's USA team to the arguments with England's women's team about the finances and the, the remuneration they're getting to this particular scenario that seems to have started some time ago. You know, they got rid of the entire Spanish women's team and then compounded that particular uh, reaction from those women by going and winning it with a whole new group of players. We hear very different stories coming out from um, different times of this particular journey. And I, and I look at it and go, the reaction has been... The language that's been used, this has been weaponized and turned into other people's agendas. You've had politicians leaping in and turning around and saying sexual aggression and sexual violence. And you look at it, and maybe it's because we're men and we're maybe we're the least qualified to debate this particular subject. You look across the table, I have a daughter, so I don't take these things lightly. I look at it and go, the language that's being used just seems to me to be for the activists and for those that have agendas. Yeah, All but of us... if he'd resigned earlier, Simon, this might not have well, blown I, up the way I don't it know. Did. I don't know if you should have to resign 
because you make individual mistakes. I think if there were other things behind the scenes, because what we what we saw was a building narrative of all these other things that were going to be thrown at him and all these other contacts, and he was adamant that he wasn't guilty of these things. And I wanted people, if he were guilty, I wanted him to be taken out for those things. I think in life, if you make a mistake, you make a judgment call, you make a misstep, does that mean the optics in this new this new dawn of social media and immediate media judgment. We are getting judged in everything we do instantaneously in the court of public opinion. We're not getting judged by facts. I, I actually hoped that this man would defend himself and if he were guilty of all the other things that we're saying that they're throwing allegations against him, those are things that got him. Because I'm tired in society of people being told that this is what's going mm. on. All of a sudden you hear all this background narrative and then they get taken out before they get asked to answer the bigger allegations. And these other allegations either never see the light of day or they don't become relevant. But did it need that? Was an unwanted and very public kiss not oh, enough? The, the, the minute Hermosa uh, said that she didn't consent, he was, in, he was going to be in massive trouble then. And that was it for him. Game and that, over. And that was it. That's I. I, I take Simon's point about mm. about how life is going. I absolutely do. This is as I know the changes that we see taking place in society over the last fifteen twenty years. Absolutely incredible. But uh, unless you're able to change it, you're not going to do this here. But this is the we just knew. We knew what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. Eventually, he was going to have to resign. We've almost forgotten the fact that Spain's women won the World Cup. Um, I haven't forgotten that. Mm. And, and I it's, think, totally, it's totally overshadowed. Well, it, that's though. because people want it to be overshadowed because it's a great news story. And that's because people that like this particular story, because it gives A, column inches, or B, people that, that, that want certain voices, that believe that certain aspects of football are beset with misogyny, or that women aren't being treated fairly. Now, there may be some truth in some of those allegations, but I would like these allegations, because what we saw was an inappropriate set of behaviour and then as a result of that, that inappropriate set of behaviour got escalated into every conceivable event that this man has ever done. And all these allegations, we had Samra Hunter coming on here saying, this court is doing this, this court's doing that, this court's doing the other. And I, for one, wanted this man to be guilty of something really substantial to be taken out, rather than a misjudged sort of behaviour, probably in the back of exhaustion. Is Martin not right, Simon? As soon as it became apparent that the case wasn't consensual, Game over but for we him. seem we seem to have very conflicting stories, and I, and I wonder how quickly people get gotten to. Mm. I wonder how people get words in their ears about the nature of other mm. people's agendas, because there seems to be very different stories coming out of it, mm. very different reactions, um, very different sets of circumstances from the player in, initially. But when it boils down mm. to it, was it inappropriate or not? The moment, well, the kiss. If if, if inappropriate or well, not? Well, well, hang on, let me answer the question. If he's saying that it was consensual and she's saying it wasn't, why does one person get believed and another person doesn't? Why does one person not get an opportunity to put his best foot forward and to advance himself in a situation rather than have the narrative build up and build up and build up? Now, he may well be the most despicable man that God ever put breath into, but I'd like to have seen that tested. I'd like to have seen it put to the sword because I get tired of this never-ending building up of, 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 of circumstances. I don't, you know, I want women's football to progress. I want women to be paid commensurate with the commercial value of the game. I want all of these things. I want equal footings. But what I don't like is I don't like agendas. I don't like people that are activists that are serving out their particular brand of what they think is going on and weaponising and using people to do it. And what we seem to have heard, and I'm disappointed because I think it's a great thing, it's a great get for Piers Morgan to have him on his, have him on 
on his show, and I understand why Piers Morgan's got him, but I would like to see him land in spaces like this, where you can have proper sports-orientated discussion with this fellow about what exactly has gone on, why are people building up, what has gone on behind this man's career to build him to such a point that there seems to be so many people that are queuing up to take him down. And to my mind... I, you know, if, if we're all going to walk through life, Jim, and I don't care if this is a particularly unpolitically correct thing to say, with every single time we misstep being the ultimate consequence, then I tell you what, a few of us are going to have problems in our life, and those that are pointing the finger are going to have problems in their lives as well, because most of the time, those people that are pointing at you have got equally as many skeletons in their closets. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. A whole bunch of interesting results over the weekend, not least England seeing their 100% Euro qualification record end after drawing 1-1 to Ukraine. It was a slightly lacklustre display, you might say, but the draw meantime keeps England six points clear of Ukraine at the top of the group, despite having played one <coughs> game more. Maybe predictably in some quarters, um, there was a bit of an outcry about a draw. England didn't win, it was a draw. And Gareth Southgate effectively said, you know, calm down everyone. The reality is we're not going to win every game by fours and sevens as we, we've done in this qualifying campaign. That was a a really good test um, away from home very passionate atmosphere quite a few changes forced from the last game and uh, you know for people like Mark Gurry for instance you know his first experience of a game like that with England um, which he came through really strongly so, so, so sometimes especially with attacking play it, it doesn't quite click and um, we know that the patterns that we worked during the week and uh, that we do are what we always do so it's not that we approach the game in a different way um, we tried to refresh things um, to give them a different sort of problem um, but today our, our forward play bar the goal and probably Bukayo's effort that hit the bar uh, wasn't at the level that it has been in our previous games. I mean, on many, many occasions, Martin, both domestically and at international level, you face the media very soon after the final whistle. Is, was that the right way for Southgate to approach that result? 1-1. I thought England would win it. They didn't. He thought they'd win it probably. They didn't. But was his approach there at the end with the media right? Well, I don't see anything wrong with that. Whatever he said, he said that England didn't perform as as well as they might have done. But they're in a fantastic position to qualify. His job is to qualify for the competition, to, to qualify for the Euros. The, at this minute, it's been a terrific t- tournament for them. Really, really good. It's the first time they've dropped some points. And away from home against the side, that would have been very, very difficult in normal circumstances. And particularly now with the political situation, it was really, it was really um, a, a, a atmospheric, let me put it this way. And, uh, and it's a really good result away from home. I genuinely do not know what the fuss is about. His job is to qualify. And I don't think he should have to come out and explain every single time that England just do not actually perform as brilliantly as they have been doing in the yeah. competition. I mean, did you ever pay much attention to what you perceived to be knee-jerk reactions? Because that's what he was getting in some quarters. Yeah, but, but I mean, the, in, England, uh, on, under his reign, they've actually... they've they've. Uh, uh, contested a final of the European Championships and been the semi-final of the of a World Cup, 
So I know that maybe, maybe people are still looking for that 1966 to be broken at some stage or another. This England squad have as good a chance as anybody. I don't think that when they step into the uh, into the European arena or the world arena that they fear yeah. any of the teams. Uh, maybe what might happen on the day. I still think if Harry Kane had scored the penalty, they might have gone on to have beaten France in the quarterfinals and Morocco in the semi-final. You know, you'd think they would have been strong favourites. Maybe, and maybe it's all that there. To, maybe, you maybe, know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But at the end of it all, it's. Uh, I don't think he has to come out and explain to him. So. No, I fair enough. I, yeah. I mean, in the past, Simon, you have been critical of Southgate being so near yet so far with with England yeah. on on these various occasions. Yeah. You know, in, in Moscow, um, more lately in Qatar, and uh, in between at Wembley against the Italians. And yet on this occasion, because they have the lead they have, because they're on course to, to be in Germany next summer, to a degree, are you giving them a pass here for a draw which might have been a win? Well, I think his job is to get England to qualify. And that's what he's likely to do. And I think to some to some to some extent, it's more content over style that I'm, you know, or substance over style. Sometimes we have too much style over substance and we look a certain way and then we get against sides that we would expect to to struggle with in in tournaments and subsequently do because as I've said repeatedly about Gareth, there was no doubt that England is a better setup as a result of Gareth Southgate being there. The fact that they have a, a, a more harmonious environment in terms of there's no clicks, which is almost embarrassing to have suggested that they existed under other managers and makes you wonder what those managers were trying to achieve. But in this instance, Southgate has created a harmonious relationship for players to to, to bond into in the England setup, has created a, a decent relationship with the media, and has created an effective team that has given itself opportunities. My accusation would always be, and has been, that those opportunities haven't been taken. Now, yes, of course, Martin is right. He can't legislate for Harry Kane missing a penalty. But what he can legislate for is changing the game when the French were in a very difficult position and we were on top and putting his foot down. He can legislate for adapting to the circumstances when the Croatians got better in the second half and him doing nothing about it. He can do the same against the Italians when everybody in the entire world is watching this momentum build up, know that Italian, Italy are going to score at some point, except the coach who doesn't seem to want to change to it and then change directly after and outcomes happened. All of those things, I think, are fair observations. But I think going after Southgate now, the problem with football and, and, and the benefit of football is if you increase expectation and sometimes you don't meet it, you're going to have to listen to some of the hysteria that goes with it. But I think that going to Ukraine with all of the circumstances that Martin has described and putting in a performance where we've had 70% of the ball, we've had 11 shots on goal, they've had two, and three or four of our creative players haven't performed at the level that we'd asked them to or hoped to, yet mm. we still come away with a result of a draw. Again, I don't understand why anybody would feel the necessity to go after Southgate and say somehow we don't think that's symptomatic of going England going in the right direction. Yeah, everything's got to be taken into account here, Martin, I think. Well, Simon's mentioned three particular games where... Uh, it could have changed. It could have done. We could have done this. We could have done that. Simon also believes that uh, uh, one of the great, great managers of all time, which I agree with him as well too, is Brian Clough. Brian Clough used to say in our dressing room, sometimes the best thing to do is to do nothing uh, in, in a game. I accept the fact that there were less substitutions that you could make at that stage to change the course of games. But sometimes if you do make the substitutions and they don't work, you might think to yourself, forget about what, forget about what the media might think and what other people... Um, whose opinions you may respect have, you may think to yourself, I, I wish I hadn't have done that if that was the case. Do you know what? Everything depends on the outcome of the result. 
you know, everything depends yeah. on the outcome. Yeah. When you go and win the game, if you take it through, if um, there's there there have been a number of false dawns for England over the last 25 years. There are a number of really good teams that they've had. They've had a World Cup team in 2010, South Africa, I think, that you'd have felt. Having said that, um, um, Frank Lampard's goal is only about three feet over the line mm. against Germany. Mm. Things like this here, but yeah. they've had a number of... They haven't won the World Cup since 1966, but they've had a number of good teams. They had a chance in 1996 when they're at home with a, with a side that you believe is as good an England side as in the last 30, 40 years. Didn't, weren't able to get, see that through either. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hamden Park tomorrow night, Scotland, England. It's live on Talk Sport. Sammy, quite a lot of disgruntled England fans, certainly. Mark, Malcolm's an Arsenal fan. Morning, Jim. Martin and Simon missing the point here. It's a continuation that's been criticised. This is regards England under Southgate. Not the game. Players out of form, out of position, lacking direction, zero proactive substitutions until it's too late. It's like Groundhog Day, says Malcolm, the Arsenal fan. Has he got a point? Um... <clears throat> I think he has uh, some of a point, yeah. But I think that to, to extrapolate it up to be an overriding criticism in this particular game, I think is unnecessary. I don't really care how England play in the qualification. I more care. I know that things momentum build and you want to see a team that's playing fluidly and you want to see a team that's operating in, a, in an offensive manner. Um, but I'm only interested, once we've qualified, in getting to a tournament and seeing how we perform in a tournament. He's a to- These are international managers and an England manager should be... Jo- should be judged upon his tournament record and not necessarily the qualification. Qualification important though, Martin? How are you playing it? 
Of, well, it, of course. I mean, the better you play, the chances are you're going to win football matches. It's really as simple as that. However, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not into the, this, the, the progression. You, there, there, there is progression in the England squad, but it doesn't necessarily mean because there's a setback, they've drawn away from home against Ukraine in a qualifying game, that that progression has stopped. I, 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 don't, I don't take that point. I've never taken it. You know, uh, and Simon's absolutely spot on. It's the qualification of the competition. Once you get there, how you perform at that at that tournament is the most important thing. Mm. You might get a little bit of luck early on in proceedings where you, as you grow into a tournament, but it's how you finish these particular tournaments. And England have done well in the tournaments up to. And Simon might make a point. Eventually, if <laughs> the they can, important if, point. Well, if they can finally crush it and 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 go, the on, only and, point. And go on and take the big the, the big trophy, that's fine. But in terms of progression, I think <clears throat> I think that point's been missed. You can actually have a bit of a setback. Setback. Uh, if Saka turns inside, hits the crossbar with uh, about 15 minutes to go, if that goes into the net, England end up winning the game and a, and a continuation of 100% points. So. But Martin, what they, what many England fans will be saying this morning, they don't need me to say it for them, is that progression's one thing, but progression isn't anything if you don't win a trophy at the end of it. That's true, but there's time. Yeah, but, but this is not a this is not a time for winning trophies. This is a time for qualification for the competition. And if you get there, and people will not remember how you performed, uh, you know, in during the course of of, of uh, qualification, it's how you do in the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not arguing with that, uh, and I see what Martin's saying. No, to be honest, no one's. If England, if if Kane holds that trophy in Germany, Simon over his head, <coughs> no one's going to yeah. remember one-one against yeah. Ukraine, right? There are people that are entranced in their positions, aren't they? And there there are people that will have a view of Gareth Southgate. Um, I have a view that I don't think he has the winning gene, that little bit of alchemy that separates a good manager from a manager that's capable of doing something quite miraculous, which is winning England a trophy. Because it is when you think about it. Given the fact that we've got the biggest domestic league, and given the you know the huge investment in the game in this country, <coughs> it is quite embarrassing that we haven't really performed in tournaments over fifty six years. And of course, what we're now doing is saying let's be grateful for actually turning up in tournaments because we've stunk the place out over the previous years with a few a few notable exceptions: Venables in ninety six, and maybe Sven Goran Eriksson in two thousand and two. But other than that, our national side during the seventies and parts of the eighties has been very poor and even into the 90s. So the problem is is we set ourselves low standards and managed to achieve them previously. But I also think there needs to be a bit of balance and fairness because there's lots of things about Southgate that have enhanced and improved the situation. But there are people that are in charge in their position that doesn't matter what Gareth will do, will have their view that he's he, he, he doesn't take risks he's boring his team plays in a boring fashion. Mm. He's not proactive in his thinking. And, the, and, and no matter what he does... They'll be they'll 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 double down on that sort of outlook the moment something doesn't quite go the way that they think it should. Mm. A lot of people are surprised to hear mm. Simon speak like this this morning, Martin, and uh, and maybe yourself as well. <coughs> I mean, I'm looking at some of the messages coming in. Jordan's lost the plot. Anyone that thinks it's acceptable to have Bellingham playing the left wing, Henderson and Maguire starting, and basically having three holding midfielders on the pitch is either ignorant or didn't watch the game. I mean, he's coming in for it this morning. Yeah, well, well, tactically, I, I'm, he's coming in no, for it. No, well, I'm I'm in Simon's camp here in this one because you there there, there might have been there might have been an uh, an element to Gareth Southgate's thinking. Well, listen here, this is might be an opportunity to for and I'll put this in inverted commas experiment. Maybe players in different positions. He mentions himself, Gareth, that he didn't have everybody. There was a few changes, a few injuries. Um, I think there was a um, a debut given to the centre half, Gehi. I think he, he actually looked as if he did okay in the game. 
And uh, but no, I'm I, again. I'm getting back to the point. You know, they've they've drawn. Everything didn't go as uh, according to plan. That happens in football. But Simon is saying, Martin, home. that Southgate's yet to demonstrate he's got a winning gene. Do you go with that? Is well, there the, such a thing? Well, if you, well, Simon's Simon's uh, speaking from a very very lofty position. The winning gene, if that means actually winning the World Cup or winning the European Championship, well, he's he's right in that sense. England have the England have the uh, capabilities of winning, but sometimes even if you even if you're the better side on a day, you can get beaten and you can get beaten in a big competition. I'll go back to my point in the in the in the quarterfinals. Just my view that had Garrett, had um, Harry Kane scored the second penalty, I thought that the momentum was with England. I might be wrong. France might have scored in the next minute. It's just my view. Uh, but at that stage, it looked as if the momentum was with them. Is it the your view that Southgate's an elite manager, Martin? Uh, Gareth Southgate has taken over. He has had some. Uh, he's had some uh, experience with uh, with Middlesbrough, and he's and uh, he's landed the job with England. And I think the job he's qualified for the competitions. They went very very close. Is he to elite, the World though, Cup. man? Is well, he elite? Well, you know what well, I mean well, by elite? Well, Pep's elite. It, Ferguson was elite. Of course well, he was. Of course. Well, eventually, elite means going on to win yes. the big tournament. Yeah, right. a serial okay. winner. So, uh, well, the serial winner. Well. Well, serial winners is easier, easier in the sense for for club managers because it's happening more often. Serial winners for 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 international managers every two and every four years. So if if that's the case, you know. Would you say that if he's had four tournaments, and we are making up, it's not a particularly lofty position. It's a it's a statement of fact. If you're in a position to win and you have opportunities against the Croatians in a World Cup semi-final, mm. and you don't take them. Yeah. You have the opportunities against the Italians in a, in a, cha- in a European Championship home mm-hmm. final, yeah. and you don't take them. And you have a similar situation against the French. All of them, mm-hmm. d- you, then you reach a point where someone says, OK, does this go on in perpetuity? Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't win the next mm-hmm. tournament, mm-hmm. Uh, would you say that four tournaments, four goes at it, is a fair attempt for an England manager, and maybe a change is something that might be required? He may well think that himself. I'll get back to the point. Terry Venables. Terry Venables did not win uh, the European Championships in 1996. Terry Venables was a brilliant manager. A brilliant, brilliant manager. That's my point. He didn't win it. He didn't win the competition when he had at his disposal some of the finest players that England have produced in the last century. Never mind anything else. They didn't go on to do it. Was Terry blamed for that there? Not necessarily. It was just a little bit of luck. That's just my uh, view. Terry Venables, will go down. I think Terry Venables was one of the most innovative managers that has been in the game. Never mind anything else. Terrific, terrific manager. But Gareth doesn't Didn't, match up to that, does he? What, 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 I mean, what, to get, what, get back Gareth, to Simon's but, point, if England don't win in Germany, Martin, would that be enough to signal that Gareth had a stab well, at Gareth it for South long Gareth, enough? I think South, Gareth Southgate has actually hinted on the fact that, that the next tournament might be his last tournament, <coughs> if, that's, if that's the case. And if they don't go on to win it, he he'll, he'll, might go on to have a uh, think about that. That's the point. And uh, what a... Uh, I'm, I'm not disputing what Simon is saying. Sure. I'm just trying to look at it but from But there's a, nothing particularly from, controversial in what I'm it's saying. It's not, not absolutely. And, 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 not the, and, the, and the question was, is he an elite manager? We both know whether you want to be yeah. diplomatic about it. He's no. not going to walk out of this England manager's job into a top six job. There's not going to be one of the top six clubs in the English Premier League saying, I tell you what, I'll take him. He's not going to go to Arsenal. No. We're going to Liverpool. Mm. We're going to Man City or Man United. Yeah. So, so then okay. we ask right. the question of ourselves... The question is very simple. Is he an elite manager? Has he done a good job? Yes, he's done a good job in lots of spaces. And it's unfair to just, to, to separate the two and say, good over here gets compartmentalised and forgotten about, and bad only gets highlighted. 
I agree with you that we spend, we spend too much time, there's too much propensity to focus on the bad. Mm. But he's an England manager with a really good group of players mm. that's got, had three mm. good opportunities. Mm. And if he gets a fourth and he doesn't mm. take it, mm. then the accusations will land and they'll stick. And there's a, there's a yeah. fairness to Inevitable. that yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I, I'm not disagree with that. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Martin, it could well be the Republic of Ireland not writing the kind of headlines you want to see in the world of football, nor nor Northern Ireland. Maybe Ireland will do it for you in the Rugby World Cup because they got off to a good weekend, uh, a, a good start at the weekend, 82-8 over Romania. I wonder what this fella thinks is a standout headline, though, from the weekend of action in the Rugby World Cup. Delighted to say England 2003 World Cup winner Ben Kay joins us live. Ben's working out there, of course, as I heard him in co-commentary in the England game at the weekend. Ben, good morning to you. What would indeed be your standout headline, Ben? Morning, gents. Well, I, I think maybe uh, the two uh, home nation sides that have been struggling of late and we weren't quite sure whether we were going to get a win in the first round look like they uh, might well be marching into the quarterfinals. So England and Wales' performance. Uh, but you, you have to uh, give credit to Fiji, who came so close last night. They're everybody's favourites. You know, if it, if it's not your own nation, everybody supports Fiji, right? Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're the Samba boys of, of uh, rugby and um, just play a fantastic brand. Really powerful, but allied with uh, immense skill and speed. And uh, they came so close yesterday. And perhaps, you know, a couple more decisions had gone their way. They would have got over the line. It's fair to say, Ben, that England were not in the best shape going into this. Is the pressure momentarily off Steve Borthwick? Uh, yeah, I don't think, because he took over so late uh, in the build-up, I don't think Steve Borthwick's job was ever going to be in doubt uh, after this World Cup. I think it, it would have been too much to have uh, suggested that he could have turned where they were when Eddie Jones left round in such a short space of time. But certainly, just in terms of, you know, I've been in that situation in 2007 when um, a Rugby World Cup's almost like a 24-7 media um, press conference because you, there's constantly uh, these uh, duties that you have to fulfil at a World Cup and it means that you're under that pressure all the time. And um, so certainly it will have relieved that within the, within the camp itself and the players will finally feel that they, they've put in a performance that they can be proud of. Not necessarily an attacking performance, which is the big question mark over England at the moment, but in terms of resilience and not being a flaky team uh, with everything that went on on Saturday uh, night, Tom Curry's red card so early on, uh, to come out with, with the, the resilience to win that is, is a big, big plus for England. He's got a hearing today, has he not, Ben, on that one? Yeah, he has. Uh, and, and I wasn't very hopeful, but we saw a couple of incidents uh, uh, after his tackle, uh, Jesse Creel uh, for South Africa in the Scotland game, uh, and there was another one as well in the, in the Chile game where you know, very, very similar incidents that weren't even looked at. Now, uh, whether those will be looked at in retrospect to sort of make sure we're getting the consistency, but it, it's, it's difficult. A lot of people saying that it, you know, it was unintentional, but that doesn't count in rugby anymore. With the, with the players' welfare such a big hot topic, uh, you have to make sure that you don't make head contact. And if you do and it's of significant force, you are likely to get a red card and a ban. Yeah. You know, you guys won it, Ben, and well do we remember it. Can this England win it? 
they are the stars are aligned for them a bit apart from their build-up they won't have that inherent confidence that we had in 2003 but having said that in 2007 I think we were very very similar in terms of our mindset we had a poor build-up uh, we didn't have a good first <laughs> first couple of weeks of the tournament but because of the way everything fell we we, we got to the final and, and this England team the draw uh, it couldn't be better for them. All the big teams in the top uh, four or five are in the other side of the draw. So, as I said, they should get into the quarterfinals. Then they'll meet um, teams that are around them in the world rankings. And then if they can get through that and get to the semifinals against the, the teams that are playing exceptionally well at the moment, you two big performances away from winning the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, Simon, it was something else, to be fair to them. Yeah, 14 against 15 for so long. Yeah. And they won it, and won it well. Yeah, I think you also have to look at, and you can only beat what's in front of you, but you also have to look at how poor Argentina were in times during that game with the amount of fumbles and the amount of mispossessions that they, that, they, that they allowed themselves to get in the way of. But I think it was a great performance from England. As you know, I spent two or three hours with, with Lawrence talking to him about it. He felt that England would go out and play well against Argentina and get a result. And they've done that. And, of course, the narrative is, is 14 against 15. The narrative is George Ford doing his job. And, and, and it was one particular tackle during the middle of the second half which lifted the entire side up when they sort of cut one of their one of the Argentinians in half. There's lots to be encouraged by. Yeah. Lots to be encouraged by. Yeah, Martin O'Neill's beside us here in studio, Ben. So come on, give them some uh, reason to be cheerful. Ireland, now they got the kind of win that we thought they would get. How likely is it we see Ireland in that final at the end of it all? Well, it, uh, apart from the, what I've just been talking about about the sides of the draw and the fact that they'll be uh, meeting, uh, you know, one of the big sides um, mm-hmm. in, in the uh, quarterfinals, uh, but the, the the strength of Ireland is uh, a how well they're coached, b the system that brings uh, all their players through. So you know, majority of their starting team play for Leinster, who are exceptionally well coached as well. They're good players. And they are so cohesive and know their game plan. So Ireland never really drop off at all in terms of their performance. They're always up around 95% and above, whereas other teams tend to fluctuate a little bit more. The one concern for Ireland will be if they meet one of the big physical sides, South Africa or France, who are probably, although Ireland are number one in the world, probably favourites for this tournament uh, at the moment. Uh, if they meet one of those, can they take their game to another level? Can they surpass what they've ever done before? If they can, there is absolutely no reason why they uh, can't win it because, as I said, they're the most consistent team. That's why they're number one in the world and they just have to back themselves. I don't think Ireland are used to or, or particularly enjoy being number one and, and, and streets out in front of everyone. And that's what Andy Farrell's trying to change. He's saying we've got to relish the fact that everyone's trying to knock us off the top. Uh, and I think yeah. uh, they've obviously got the, the big game players that have the potential to win it. Well, Ben, here's Martin. Ben, uh, just uh, only one question to ask. It's, it's almost like a side issue. I love the rugby union. Absolutely love it. Really love it. I get so excited by it. And then I get I, I get really irritated by uh, by the rules of the game. The rules <laughs> drive me insane because I feel as if the interpretation is down to the referee. He's not looking at every single side when the scrums are there and things are so penalising. So I, I remember doing a, a podcast with Sam Warburton and... Um, 
and he actually agreed with me, whether he just agreed with me because I was going on and on and on or something like this here. But I would just love your own, uh, your own opinion of it. There seems to be a rule for everything and it, uh, a lot of it is down to the referee's interpretation. Simon was talking there about Argentina, Argentina and England. England were terrific in the game, 14 to 15. They're really brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, but every every decision seemed to go against Argentina in the game. Every referee's decision, they're probably right, but it's, it, it felt to me as if the Argentinians don't actually seem to know the rules then at that particular <laughs> stage. So that, sorry, that was just a, a little point. No, but, you're right. Please, He's right, Ben, isn't he? Your your yeah, own yeah, thoughts on it for the It's something World Rugby are very aware of. All the legislators in the game are aware of. Um, it, it's such a complicated game and to grow it you have to simplify it and uh, and you're right consistency of refereeing is a big part of that as well and, and that's why we get situations where the, almost the referee's uh, ability to, to look at it they, they, they try and just soften that so the, the red card incident for Curry there's a process he has to go through was the head contact? Yes was the force? Yes uh, and as soon as as soon as you go through all these things, he has to arrive at a yellow card, which is now to speed the game up, sent to a bunker, and they see whether it should be upgraded to a red card. So they're trying to speed up that process. They're trying to simplify it, but you will still get situations where the problem with rugby is, particularly at the breakdown, there are often you know, more than one offence. And you've uh, and if if we don't want a game that's completely stop start and penalised. The referees do have to look at it and say, has that affected the actual game or not? Because otherwise, if you look for every little minor detail, they will be uh, sure. blowing their whistle all sure. game, and we certainly don't want that. Your 100% essential download, Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.